Hello everyone, welcome to Random Encounter 275 or 275. We have 24 episodes until 300, that's a big number. Uh, I'm your host, John O'Logan, and I'm still in the middle of unpacking and getting things set up in my new apartment. The last few days have been relatively stressful. We had big plans when we moved in. Uh, big, big plans. We had, uh, we had like, we bought a ton of Ikea stuff, and we were going to get, like, wall mountings, and we were going to get shelves, and I got this really great shelf for my office. It was going to be, like, all it was perfect height and everything. And then we discovered that we live in a concrete box, and by that I mean literally. Behind every piece of drywall is a layer of concrete, it seems, and it's absolutely impossible to actually hang anything in this apartment. So now I just have, like, walls with holes in them and no use for them. Um, so I did a massive return to Ikea today. The poor gentleman at the Ikea return desk looked like he was about to cry. I just came up with so many boxes. Um, but yeah, so moving stress, getting into a new apartment, that's kind of thing that just happens. Uh, but you know what? I'm taking a break from that stress tonight to talk about some outstanding RPGs that have recently come out. So joining us today are Ben Love. Hi. And we also have our favorite wrestling fan here at RPG Fan, Neil the Bitter Gourd. Oh, hey, oh, here he comes right now. He's coming along. Oh, hey, so, uh, uh, Bitter Gourd, you're here to review WrestleQuest. Is that right? That's right. I'm here to chew the celery about WrestleQuest. Yeah, I know the expression is chew the fat, but the Bitter Gourd does not chew disgusting animal fat. That side of bacon is a main course of colorectal disease for the rest of your life. Wow, uh, it sounds like you have a real beef with meat. Damn right I do. Meat is murder. So when these cow-consuming meatheads step into the ring with bitter gourd, it's capital punishment time. Well, it's interesting because all of your opponents say that you're easy pickings because you don't get enough protein in your diet. They, uh, they say that you're weak. Vegans? Weak? Yeah. Tell that to the mighty elephant, the rhinoceros, the bison, and bitter gourd as we charge all of you at full speed. We will gore, trample, and flatten you. So Neil, it sounds like you're enjoying WrestleQuest. Indeed I am. It's been one of the best games I've played all year, actually. <laughs> okay, first off, that was fantastic. Thank you for doing that incredibly... Uh, Silly wrestling homage, but also your bitter gourd voice sounds exactly like a character from the 1980s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like, bitter <laughs> gourd actually sounds like it might be, like, one of the turtles' villains. <laughs> well, listen, I mean, with pro wrestling, you know, you gotta go over the top with it, you know? Oh, you, you really do, yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting because... Uh, this game, WrestleQuest. So uh, let me, I'll explain a little bit. So WrestleQuest was uh, an interesting title uh, that pulls a lot of inspiration from the WWF. Now, I know it's now WWE because WWF, you know, they had to change their name a few years ago. But back when, back when I was a kid, it was called the WWF. And uh, it pulls its inspiration from, well, like the Turtles, actually, a lot of 80s, you know, it was, it was a very 80s time. Uh, and this game pulls from that era. It was supposed to come out in the summer of 2022. It was delayed to May 2023, and then it was pushed to August. It's finally coming out. It's a classic turn-based RPG uh, with pixel graphics that just happens to feature some of the greatest wrestlers of all time. So, uh, Neil, before we get into actual gameplay and stuff, would you say that WrestleQuest successfully pays homage to the golden age of wrestling? 100%. And not just to the wrestling itself, but just to... 
that whole experience of you know of that 80s childhood when mm. it was all about you know your tv was centered around either cartoons or pro wrestling and sometimes you would we would spend hours in your room just upturning the toy box and like mm -hmm. having like your transformers and your he-man characters do fake wrestling matches using your monopoly board as a makeshift wrestling ring because the real wrestling ring playset was really expensive and uh it was <laughs> we had i remember we like when i was a kid one of my friends had one and we all had we had wrestling action figures and we'd like use the playset and it was awesome um you and i both grew up in the 19 like we were children of the 1980s uh, ben, how old are you? So I uh, actually turned 30 in uh, a week, so. <laughs> okay, so you can go sit on the kids' table um, <laughs> uh, while uh, Neil and I indulge in our 1980s nostalgia. Um, okay, <laughs> well, Neil, so WrestleQuest, it's, you know, obviously the, the style of the game, the look of it, everything like that is based around uh, wrestling, especially the golden age of wrestling. But it's also uh, a pretty traditional turn-based RPG. Can you tell us more about, like, in turn-based RPGs, the plot is, you know, very, very important. Can you tell us more about WrestleQuest's plot? Like, who's the main character? Okay. WrestleQuest's plot is a lot more epic than I was expecting. In fact, there are two main protagonists. We have one guy, Randy Santos, who's an aspiring pro wrestler lives practically lives at the wrestling gym he trains at and uh you know just wants to be a superstar you know the totally honest way and and the whole thing is all right can he achieve superstardom without you know sacrificing his values and morals and everything he holds dear mm. and then we're introduced to our second protagonist um guy named Brink Logan, who, um, he, even though he's one of the most skilled wrestlers in the biz, he basically has to be a jobber at his family's, um, wrestling promotion. And he's just sick and tired of constantly having to put over like more marketable wrestlers who are ultimately worse than him. But what I like about Brink is he understands his role as a jobber. He does it with the utmost professionalism and is because he knows he's representing his family as well. So we, so then it's like, wow, can this, can Brink Logan achieve the respect he deserves without losing his heart? Well, I, for one, am cheering heavily for Brink Logan. Um, uh, every single every single family reunion, that guy just goes on and on about how there's no respect. <laughs> well, that, it's interesting that it's like that. First off, uh, Randy Santos sounds like a wrestler. Like, that just sounds like the name of a wrestler from the 1980s. Um, actually, Brink Logan does, too. That probably would have been my favorite for obvious reasons. Uh, so... That's the main question. Those are the main characters of the game. So how does how does the world of wrestling, how is it incorporated into the gameplay and the narrative? You know, the world of WrestleQuest, it's like we were saying before, the idea of the upturned toy box where anything, where any of your toys could be a wrestler. 
Like your little plushie could be a wrestler. Your Monopoly board could be a wrestling ring. That's the inspiration behind WrestleQuest's world. It's that whole idea of the childhood imagination Mm. and different places, you know, utilize different like kind of toy-like graphics and things like that to represent different like area areas where for example there's one town where it's where it's has mostly like boxes and broken toys it's an industrial town that likes hardcore wrestling there's another town that is more into like the lucha libre style wrestling with you know pinata type toys and things everywhere I really like that. I like the idea that they're not just paying homage to the 1980s WWF era of wrestling. They're paying homage to wrestling on the, as a whole, like across the world. That's really cool. And just, yeah. And the idea that the, the characters, even though they are toys and the whole concept feels like, you know, when you were a kid, just having like your Optimus Prime toy wrestle with your Skeletor toy. It, it also just feels like, a surprisingly cohesive world and mm. yeah. And storyline is surprisingly epic. Cause, cause while the narrative switches often between Randy and Brink, there are times when some of the side characters actually get point of view chapters. And it's, I'm like, I was not expecting a wrestle quest to, you know, remind me of like, Final Fantasy VI, where yeah. you know you would sometimes switch perspectives from different party members elsewhere in the world. That's really interesting to me. I mean, that that was sort of the central concept behind, well, Smash Brothers, most famously, the idea of you know all the toys in the toy box. Um, but the fact that they've done this as an RPG is really interesting, especially considering, like you said, there are a variety of different worlds. How does the world map work? Is it like, a, is it is it a Final Fantasy style world map, or are there like specific regions that you go to? It, let me, basically, is it more like Final Fantasy, or is it more like I don't know, Secret of Mana, for example? Um, the world map is a lot like Chrono Triggers. Okay, because yeah, because yeah, go figure. I just mentioned Final Fantasy VI. We just mm. mentioned Chrono Trigger, and uh, I'm gonna mention Super Mario RPG as well because, um a lot of the like time button press and Twitch elements and mini games mm. are heavily inspired by that, which is awesome because the developers, not only are they like super fans of pro wrestling, they're clearly super fans of those classic 16 bit square RPGs because I felt some of my favorite elements from say super Mario RPG, final fantasy six and chrono trigger in WrestleQuest. Pulling from Mario RPG style uh, turn-based combat with action gameplay, that seems really, really smart to create a much more uh, dynamic system than would be in, say, like a classic turn-based RPG, uh, which makes a lot of sense because it's wrestling. Uh, What's the turn-based combat system in WrestleQuest like? How does it work? You get four different options. You can either do like your regular attack, a taunt, use an item, or use a gimmick, which is a special move. And mm-hmm. uh, when and with the regular attack, um, there's like a time button press to give it some extra power. And with the special moves, 
There's different timed uh, button presses to execute them. Mm-hmm. There's also um, what's called tag team maneuvers where you can like do a combined special attack with one of the other characters in the battle party, which have its own set of button presses and, uh, and taunting um, it. Although it lowers your fence, you lowers your defense. It increases what's called hype, which is how the audience is reacting to you. Um, if any of you played um, Paper Mario, the thousand year door and you remember how those battles you ha- had Mario and his party like in front on a theater stage in front of a crowd and like the crowd would like cheer or boo based on how Mario was fighting. It's similar in WrestleQuest, you know, how much the audience is into the fight actually determines like what kind of rewards you might receive at the end of a battle. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And there are actually some like major battles where there's a set list of, you know, certain actions you have, you might have to do to quote unquote, w- win the battle. Cause mm. victory, cause winning is not always victory. No. So what do you mean by that? Like, for example, you know, there might, there might be a point where you have to like, you know, take falls from opponents moves to lower the audience hype. So that way they, cheer more for the opponent because you're trying to put because your character's trying to put them over make them look good i see okay that's interesting because wrestling wrestling when you boil it down i know there's a lot of con- there's talk about wrestling being fake which is kind of a silly concept i mean wrestling is scripted in many ways but like clearly these people are doing uh remarkably athletic things in front of an audience uh, to for their entertainment like it's a combination between athleticism and basically theater uh it's kind of like the closest thing to super to, closest thing to real life superheroes that there are in terms of the garish costumes the the personalities that kind of thing uh so the idea that they've incorporated the showmanship of it all into the game is a fascinating uh point is a fascinating idea and there are even times before certain matches you can actually um, plan out um, your re- your walkout, you know, huh. like as you progress through the game, you'll collect different um, musics, entrance musics and different like pyrotechnics and things you can and all kinds of things to, you know, make your entrance walkout look cool. Uh, in terms of the actual like we talked about the combat. How does character progression uh, work in this game and the development of various, you know, your, your skills, essentially your wrestling abilities, I guess. Is it just a basic experience system or. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty much, it's pretty much a basic experience system, but a lot of the, but a lot of the terms are more, are more wrestling terms. Like for example, instead of like special attacks, it's called gimmicks. Hmm. And uh, because every character has their own unique like skill sets, um, they just learn new skills as they level up. Mm. Okay, so I mean, if you played an RPG, a 16-bit RPG, it's very much inspired by those systems. Yes, it is. It, okay. What I like about it, it's I 
I'd say WrestleQuest is almost a tradition with a twist because mm. while it takes very familiar elements of 16-bit RPGs that we know and love, it kind of has it kind of looks at them a different way. Like we we're saying earlier, um victory does not always mean winning. There are some boss battles where not only do you have to lose, but you have to lose a certain way under certain conditions. Like, you know, you have to, you know, pin the, pin your opponent and let them break out of it. Mm. So, so having to kind of think less like a knight and a mage, just, you know, kill everything as quickly as possible. I had to think of it more like, a pro wrestler where it's all where it's more about it's part of the showmanship is part of it as well even if i'm losing a battle it's not just an automatic scripted loss i have to actively lose the right way that's a clever clever mechanic uh that they're they're playing with that idea um okay well let's i mean aside from the combat and the main story uh it's an rpg Let, let's talk side quests so are there a lot of side quests in this game? Are there any, is there any way to develop, uh, uh, I don't know, I guess, find extra items or abilities, that kind of thing oh, through them? Like what are the oh, rewards? Oh man, there's, oh, there's a, there's a lot of side content. There's, there's um, side quests you can find by just randomly talking to people. There's side quests and side content you can find simply by just exploring the world map off the beaten path and there's also a ton of like excuse me twitch based mini games like Mm. there's this one arcade game that where you um tap the arrows similar to like a dance dance revolution there's another one where you're like um guiding a car through like a demolition derby and and some of the and some of the rewards include um Maybe getting like legendary wrestlers as summons, maybe getting like maybe meeting a legendary wrestler and they bestow like one of their props to you as a legendary item that can really <laughs> help you. There's and there's also side quests that develop the world building. Hmm. Um, well, I wanted to ask about the uh, well, let's just talk about those legendary wrestlers that you mentioned. So uh, some of the names that I recognize, Jake the Snake Roberts, Randy Macho Man Savage, uh, like they're, these are famous wrestlers from the Golden Age, and they are showing up. So they are summons. Are they also characters in the game? Several of them are, yes. Um, I don't want to give spoilers, but yeah, one of the legendary wrestlers can potentially become like um become one of the managers of one of the part of uh, one of the protagonists' parties. I mean, they're probably not the only characters in the game. There were probably also, you have uh, Brink and you have Randy, uh, but are there other party members as well? Like what's a good, what's a good 16-bit RPG without a colorful cast of characters that you can command to uh, beat your enemies with? Uh, who else is in the, like, are there any other standout characters for you that are really interesting that are just like, you know, supporting characters? Several, actually. Um, one of the first characters uh randy meets is uh this dude in uh there's this town called boxwood it's very rough and tumble town where randy wants to you know start his wrestling journey and he meets uh this guy named toy box jimmy who uh wrestling fan who 
Jack's cars. And uh, he actually has several point of view chapters later on because while Randy want is trying to, you know, chase his dream outside a box with toy box. Jimmy's like, nah, I want to stay here. I got to help rebuild the town. (laughs) So just so he could take it apart again. (laughs) Yeah. So, so it's like, while we get some bits of Randy off on his quest, some bits of Brink off on his quest. And well, sometimes it goes back to toy box, Jimmy, doing crazy stuff in his, in his town. And some of the most interesting events actually happened in his storyline. Like there was some stuff completely out of left field that was happening. And I was just like, Whoa, again, I don't want to give away too many spoilers, but if you were an eighties kid, you'll love it. You'll just (laughs) love it. Well, something that's getting me really excited about WrestleQuest instantly is the the visual style of it. It's very uh, it's very colorful, loud. Like you said earlier, we, we were talking, it's like a toy box, but there are so many uh, flamboyant colors in it. And uh, the combination between that and the, the 2D style uh, is really super, it's a super engaging visual style. Uh, Neil, what did you think of it? I thought the game looked amazing. And as cool as the game looks in screenshots it looks even better in motion um the animations for the characters especially when they're doing those crazy wrestling moves it's like a lot it's like they're toy like but also super smooth Mm. and what i love is that the environments have a lot of like motion and moving bits to them too so they really feel like they're like living and breathing places. Interesting. Um, ignoring, I mean, alongside of the graphics, uh, how would you say the, I'd say one of the, the other important parts of it to create the atmosphere is the music. How's the music in the game? Oh, sound design as a whole, I would say is, well, even better than the graphics actually. Um, really? You know, the soundtrack has several different genres. Like there's rock to EDM military marches, all kinds because the music needs to be as varied and uniquely exciting as all the wrestlers and crazy characters in the game themselves. Yeah. And what's even cooler is the sound effects. I mean, (laughs) and, and not just the obvious sound effects like the, um, bell dinging after each mat after each battle, which they call a match. Yeah, that makes like, sense. Like in wrestling, there's all kinds of fun voice clips throughout the game. And what I like is, um, depending on um who's leading the party, some characters have different footstep sounds, hmm. and it's just I thought that was just a really great subtle touch. It was like wow, that extra that extra care like really put into the sound design like so yeah graphics and sound very impressive i am very glad to hear that i I think this might be a really good uh example of why games should be delayed if they're not ready yet i understand totally that there are market demands on certain developers and that sort of thing but if a game can be delayed a while 
because it's not ready yet, it can turn into something really special. And it sounds like that's sort of what happened here. I mean, a lot of people were really excited when it was announced and they were quite disappointed when it got delayed. So I'm, but personally, I think it sounds like they really did knock it out of the park and that extra year they spent on it, it would, it sounds like it was time well spent. 100% because I'll tell you, I remember when I played the first demo, Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't like it at all. It just felt really slow and really clunky and, and then playing it now it's like it just went to the gym and just gained like 50 pounds of pure muscle. And that's what you got to that's what you got to do if you want to be a top wrestler. Yeah. So yeah, the delays, the delays really helped the game go from something I wasn't really looking forward to to one of my favorite games of 2023. So, it all worked out in the end. Well, we got the code a little late, so we don't have the review quite ready yet. It will be on RPG Fan uh, when the review is done, and I probably will update the show notes with the review retroactively. But yeah, I am very happy to hear that you liked this game because it just looks really, really cool. And if you were a wrestling fan as a kid, especially, you are going to find, I imagine, a lot here that you're going to like. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was a kid, uh, I mean a lot of my friends were into wrestling. And so I was into wrestling too, because when you're a kid, you know, you kind of do what your friends want some of the time. So they would watch, you know, we'd have a sleepover and they would watch uh, WrestleMania or something like that on VHS. And, uh, and I I had a few action figures that were wrestlers and things like that. But the one that I really liked as a kid was a cage match. Uh, I always, I always thought cage matches were cool. And sometimes there would be as many as 24, 24 wrestlers in the ring, 24, 24 killers in the ring. That is my extremely (laughs) awkward way of transitioning to our second game uh, of this episode. Uh, Thank you, Neil, for talking about WrestleQuest. Um, Yeah, thanks. That was super interesting. Yeah. uh, Certainly, certainly. And now we're going to transition into 24 Killers, which is uh, another RPG that might not be on people's radar. Uh, Okay, so... This takes a little bit of explaining. Uh, Back in the early, very early PlayStation era, there was a uh, company called Lovedelic, I believe, and they produced what was known as, what were known as anti-RPGs, which kind of, I don't even want to say spoofed the conventions of RPGs, but so much, it turned them on their head. The most famous of them, them. yeah. Yeah, the most famous of them would probably be Moon. Uh, Remix RPG Adventure, which was in 1997, and this game was not localized until last year, uh, when it was localized and brought over. Was it last year or a few years ago? Um, it was Time a couple years ago. Meaning. It I think was it a was couple years 2021. Ago. Yeah, it was 2020. No, it was it was 2020. Oh, well, that yeah. that explains so that explains longer. why I don't remember that. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, an anti RPG. It's a really interesting concept, uh, and a, a a game came out recently that sort of spun on a similar axis uh it's it's very much like moon it's an anti-rpg and that's 24 killers so ben uh you came to me with this game it was not on my radar even slightly uh, and you were like <laughs> I, i'd like to review this and i looked at it i was like this looks bizarre sure go ahead uh and i'm really glad that i did because it, it turned into a really interesting review to read so uh let, let's talk a little bit can you tell us a little bit more about 24 killers and i guess i guess the developer happy shabby games yeah, so um, Happy Shabby Games is, uh, it's mostly a one-man 
project, um, I believe that the developer had um, a little help with like music and maybe um, some art and things like that, but mostly one uh, person. And um, yeah, it's so it's a uh, it's very inspired by Moon and then other games made by Love Delic and then the studios that spun off from Love Delic after they went under. So um, some of those studios would be like. Um, Punchline, who made Tulip, or um, oh, I'm, I'm blanking on the name of the other studio, but Gift they made Pia, uh, I believe. Yeah. yeah, they made Tribute Robo and, and Gift Pia uh, on the GameCube. Yeah, Skip, Skip. Um, so you know, different creators from Love Delic went and founded those different studios, and so um, 24 Killers kind of takes a little bit from each of those. Um, I would say it's definitely the most influenced by Moon. Um, but it, it, there's little bits of, of each of those games. So if you played any of those games before, then, um, I would definitely recommend 24 killers, um, for anybody who's liked any of those games. But if you're not familiar with those, um, then I would say that it, in terms of gameplay, um, you know, you called it an anti RPG cause that was famously what moon was called. And yeah, yeah. it's a little more like a, like a, an adventure game. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't really play like a, like a point and click adventure game. Um, but that is more of like the, the mindset that you would want, that you would be in when, when you're playing the game. So there's no combat. Um, it's mostly walking around dialogue, interacting with characters, picking mm. up items, that sort of thing. Ben, how would you describe an anti RPG? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the, the goal when, when, um, Love Delic was, um, developing Moon was to create something that subverts the genre expectations of a role-playing game. So the main way they did that was not having any combat. Um, but there, you know, there's some other ways of that doing that too. Um, like, uh, having maybe like a more self-contained, um, you know, space or area in which you kind of go around and and complete your quest, um, which is something that both moon and 24 killers share. Um, so it's not a globe trotting adventure, um, but you still have a lot of the like key elements that make role-playing games fun and, um, engaging, um, so you get that kind of, you know, the story, narrative, um, character interaction, and um, there's still stats. So um, mm. there are stats to manage in 24 Killers. Um, not very many, but there are a few. Um, so you have your your luck stat is um, one, and that affects different things in the game. Um, and then you also have um, your stamina. And so the game is mostly based around stamina. It has like a day... Um, system. So each day you have, you know, your stamina bar and then when it runs out, you have to go home and go to sleep. Um, and if you don't make it home, then you'll pass out and um, one like of the characters life. on the island will take away your money. So <laughs> um, there's a little bit of like, you know, fa- you know, there is a consequence for, for failure and you have to manage your time and everything. Um, but yeah, so I think I think the core of like an anti RPG is, um, you know, subverting some of the genre tropes, but still retaining those base elements that make role playing games fun. Can you? How can I? I'm just gonna say, can you just explain the plot of this? Because I read your plot description here, and it's very well written, and it, and I had no idea what I read by the end of it. <laughs> um, the plot yeah. of this game is interesting. 
Yeah, so the game is very surreal, um, and there are some elements of it that are more grounded in reality, but most of it's very high concept, um, and, and it might be a little bit hard to wrap your head around when just reading um, you know, my description of it in the review. Um, but it basically the setup is that you are home and that's your name and you're a creature who you're like an inter interdimensional being and you have, um, you know, like I, not omnipotent, you know, you're not omnipotent. You don't have like absolute powers, but you have, you know, large, you know, a large amount of, of abilities to move between dimensions and that sort of thing. Um, but because you're such this higher order being, um, you've, you've thought of yourself as better than other li you know, living creatures and kind of isolated yourself in kind of the, the uh, you know, ether uh, between dimensions. And um, Moon is this alien creature who is kind of running the show uh, for things on the island. And she basically captures you and puts you inside of the body of a dead soldier on this island and basically forces you to do her bidding um, to kind of teach you a lesson. Um, and so that's that's the core setup of the game. And the island that the, the game takes place on is an island in the middle of the Indian Ocean that had a military base on it. So um, that's why there's a dead soldier's body that you can inhabit. And that kind of plays into the aesthetics of the island and the roles of the different characters play on the island too sorry when you when you read that it just sounds like a vague parody of animal crossing where moon is uh, tom nook if tom nook was <laughs> if tom nook could uh was an alien and could uh curse you into an undead body yeah honestly animal crossing there are some similarities between this game and animal crossing because you do you do have like a you know, you're on a, a small, um, you know, area and there's lots of different characters with different personalities that you interact with and do little tasks for. So that is actually a really good comparison point. Hmm. Okay. So we, we talked a little bit about how RPG, anti-RPGs work. Uh, how does this one work? So what's the central gameplay mechanic of this? Yeah. So the central gameplay mechanic in this is that um, uh, basically as part of your um you know, let's say penance that you're doing on this island for Moon, she's very into scrapbooking. And there's all these little monsters that live on this island. And um, your task is to... So they live inside of a missile silo in the center of the island. And each day you can bring up the missile silo and then let one of them out. And when you do that, you know, they've been cooped up in the missile silo for a long time, so they... They, you know, want to stretch their legs. They want you to do something for them. So, um, you know, each time you let a monster out, uh, they will, um, you know, they'll want you to do different tasks for them. And uh, on the completion of that task, you get to take a picture of them for Moon's scrapbook. And as part of that process, um, once you take a picture of the creature after you've formed a bond with them and give it back to Moon, then you can actually take on the abilities of that monster um, to use in your journey or in adventures on the island. So there's about eight different types of um, monster, and uh, those determine what abilities that you can get from them. And then there's a couple, there's like four monsters within each of the eight kind of groups. 
and mm -hmm. they will give you higher levels of that ability. So the main gameplay involves you know going around uh, freeing the, the monsters from the silo, um, doing you know little tasks for them, using the abilities that you've gained from other monsters. And then there are some different things that events that will happen on the island too. Um, and so as part of that, you're also investigating the larger mystery of the island, the backstory of these characters, and kind of learning about home as well. What are some of the abilities that home can get? Like what, what are some of your favorites? Yeah, so um, some of the interesting ones, there's these cat-like creatures and they can run really fast. So um, you can use those uh, abilities to like get through, you know, there's some puzzles that involve, um, you know, running really fast. But in order to do that, you actually have to run through these um, rings that appear when you start running and uh, using that ability. And then as you pass through the rings, you maintain your speed. And then if you fail to get through the ring in time, then your speed decreases. So um, there's some really interesting uh, puzzles and little tasks that and you can do um, using that one. There is also um, an ability where you, um, and these this comes from the ghost-like monsters, you can actually create a copy of yourself and then leave it in an area and then go and do something. So often you'll have to make a copy of yourself and put it on um, a switch and then use that to open a door and then go through really quick um, and then, you know, switch into a different ability or whatever. So, um, and like I said, there's a bunch of them, so, you know, we don't have to go through all of them here, obviously, but, <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot of different things you can do and they combine them in really interesting ways in the game as well. I think one of the, based on what I've read, I've never played moon. I talked, uh, we talked about it on random a while ago, a while ago, um, but I feel like one of the hallmarks of the genre of anti-RPGs is a vaguely surrealistic uh, mm -hmm. sense of style and narrative. So how does the game's writing contribute to its overall atmosphere? And, and uh, I understand there's some fourth wall breaking included as well. Yes, yes. So um, the writing is very quirky and, um, you know, the, it's not... I'm, I'm currently playing uh, Disco Elysium for um, Retro Encounter right now. And that's the so game that's... Yes, really need to play it. Really but very it. wordy, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> tons and tons of text. And this game is almost the opposite. Like even though the dialogue interacting with characters is like the meat of the game, I would say, um, the most lines are, are, you know, really relatively brief. And um, usually the monsters will only have like a few things to say. Um, mm -hmm. But the amount of personality and um, humor that they pack into those lines is um, really interesting. And, you know, they can run from being like t goofy toilet humor to um, being like really existential, like angst. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that is like a, a really um, big part of, I think, that surreal feeling is that you'll be talking to um, a character and they'll say something really goofy and then you'll go and talk to another character and they're talking about like what the meaning of existence is. And, um, you know, you'll, you'll find, you'll stumble upon some like interdimensional mystery. Um, and you know, that's part of what makes the game so intriguing and makes you want to see what's going to happen next. So the character interactions, um, who are some of the main characters of the game and how, how are they uh, developed throughout it? 
Yeah, so you have um but you obviously have home and you have home, moon. right, who's the who's the character that you play as and then moon, who's the, you know, alien creature who's kind of masterminding things on the island. The Tom Nook. And then you have a bunch of other characters, so um there's a, a character um named uh regular who is like a um so there's like a when you're on the island there's at one point where a cruise ship passes by and then somebody gets kicked off of the cruise ship and then a few days later um they wash up on shore of the island and that's regular and they're a human being which is different because most of the characters on the island are like different monsters or creatures Mm. Um, and they, um, end up setting up shop on the island. So, um, one of the key, um, mechanics is you can collect these things called whispers and whispers are like these little rocks that have like an, a a human eye (laughs) in the center of them. And they serve as the game's currency, but they're also like the source of all the magic and kind of surreal things that happen on the island. So like a lot of times, um, you know, a lot of whispers will congregate and then, you know, something interesting will happen or, or something in the environment will change. Um, but you can collect them as you explore the island and then you can go to regular and then buy different little items. And mm. it's not always clear what the item is going to do. You know, the descriptions are pretty vague um, <laughs> for the items, but uh Usually, you know, if you, you think about it for a minute, you'll find a use for them and they'll help you progress in the game or interact with the character in a certain way. Um, there's also a character named Johnny Puzzle who is uh, like... A, he's, Sorry, this is a great name. Yeah. Um, he, he's like a... He has a human body, but a dog's head. And he um, he's called Johnny Puzzle because he likes to create puzzles. Like that's his... Um, you know, hobby, and he's kind of like a tortured artist personality. So he feels that he's very misunderstood and that like making the puzzles is his art form. And he's always like very f- kind of gruff and fed up with people on the island because they don't understand him and like the, the artistic value of his puzzles. And there is a point in the game where you actually have to go into um, the volcano in the middle of the island. And that's where he set up basically like a puzzle dungeon. So you have to solve a bunch of puzzles in a row and then there'll be boss fights <laughs> at the end of it. Um, and they, they utilize your monster abilities that you've acquired. Yeah. It just sounds like a bitter, angry escape room designer. Yes. That's exact. That's a perfect description of him. Yeah. And uh, th- you know, there's, there's so many different little interesting characters like that. Um, all the monsters, um, you know, they don't have as much depth to them as some of the characters I've mentioned, just because there's so many of them, but they each have their own little personality quirks. And um, one interesting thing is, um, you know, there's a there's another shop on the island run by a, a talking dumpster named Recycler. And uh, you can buy, uh, after you progress a little bit in the game, she sets up like a, a, a gotcha pond where you can get the little capsules and at first it seems like this is completely like useless. Like why, why do you need to like buy those and get them? Mm-hmm. Um, cause, and uh, what happens is when you open the capsule, there'll be like uh, furniture or um, an accessory to decorate your house that you go into sleep in every night. And they don't seem to serve any purpose, but actually they unlock like hangout um, events with the different creatures on the Island. So there's a, piece of furniture or decoration that corresponds to every single creature that you will meet on the island. And 
uh, if you have it in your house, they'll ask to come over to your house to hang out. And then you can have like more dialogue with them and they may give you some of their backstory or say something funny or um, tell you a bit more about the world. So, um, you know, if you do decide to pick up the game and play it, definitely don't neglect those. It sounds a little bit like some of the mechanics that you'd find in Stardew Valley or something like that. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, and and that's a big theme with the game, too, um, is that because home was so isolated from other living beings, um, you know, basically the, the task that Moon sets you on is to make friends with all of these creatures and do little tasks for them and gain their trust. And Throughout that um, process, home becomes more friendly and less standoffish, and um, you really see a, a character development over um, the the period of the game. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that theme of like connection and uh, forming bonds with people is really what the game is all about. I think the thing that's going to draw most people to the game is the visual style because it has a very very unique visual style that looks a little bit if you've seen moon it looks a little bit inspired by it but Mm -hmm. different tell me what you think of the visual style like how does it how does it impact the game yeah so um the best way i would describe the visual style is it's kind of using like um pre-rendered um sprites like you would see on the super nintendo sometimes so like super mario rpg or uh, donkey kong country it's kind of that style of like a pre-rendered um sprite that's made from like a 3d model um and it also gives it almost like a claymation kind of type appearance um yeah it's a little hard to describe but it's very striking when you see it um and then the backgrounds are all like that kind of pre-rendered background um style that was common on the playstation one um, mm. and it's, uh, you know, the setting is very, you know, because it's like a tropical deserted island setting, um, you do, you do have like a lot of like saturated colors and, uh, um, but there is like a lot of actual variety on the island too, um, with different kinds of environments and, um, you know, different settings that you can go into and then the creature designs are like all over the place i mean you've got you know and i was describing what, what johnny puzzles like but you've also got um more human looking um creatures you got like there's one that's like a, a a giant like lobster um and uh there's one that's like a, a worm and those two creatures are part of the same group where they all have like military gear on so <laughs> they, they'll be like wearing like a, a military cap or like a military jacket but then it's just like an animal. <laughs> it's yeah, kind of interesting. Um, so you you have like a really unique um, visual style. There's is really it looks a little bit like Moon. You can definitely see the inspiration, but it's very unique um, and definitely not like you won't look at it and be like, oh, this is like you know copying you know this thing or super inspired by something else. It has a very um, distinct look to it. Yeah, uh, Neil, have you? Any interest in playing this game? It seems like something that would be very much up your alley, actually. You know what? I would. I'm one of those people, I've never played Moon either, but I am interested in playing it simply because it, you know, it takes something we know and then subverts it in a very unique way. And, and yeah, and I'm, and I'm definitely interested to 
um, play 24 Killers. I'll be honest, when I first um, saw the review of the game, I initially thought it was like a rare, like retro title that flew completely under the radar, like maybe 20, 25 years ago, or maybe a lost love to lick concept. So when I was like, saw that it came out this year, I was like, wait, what? Yeah. It nails that aesthetic. It really feels like it just dropped out of like the late nineties. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just thinking, I really like how a common thread between 24 killers and wrestle quest is that thrill of what kind of wacky quirky character am I going to meet next? Because, because <laughs> you know, that's how I felt playing wrestle quest. What kind of wacky, crazy character, you know, are Randy and Brink going to meet next? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a huge part of the appeal of 24 killers. It's just like, meeting all the different creatures and interacting with them. And like, just the, you'll never guess like what the next one's going to look like or what kind of thing they're going to say. And I think it's just super fun to always be constantly surprised like that. I think that one of the reasons why a lot of games like this are made nowadays is because people did grow up. uh, People who have grown up in the nineties have finally reached the stage of their lives where they have the ability to make what they want. Uh, so we do see homages to classic games. And I mean, in terms of Moon and the other games uh, of that developer, they're very, very, very niche, but they are beloved. So the fact that people are starting to make some of these anti-RPGs again is a really interesting phenomenon. Yeah, it's kind of like how it felt like, um, you know, every indie developer who's making like a, an RPG was really inspired by <laughs> Earthbound for a long time. And like, you know, I think that that, game is was really impactful for people and it's led to a lot of interesting and unique games that really feel nothing like earthbound like undertale or Mm -hmm. um you know some other games that we've gotten um and you know it's interesting to see people to have um a take their own take on some games that are maybe a little bit less you know well known especially in like the west Mm -hmm. um and i think you know people are much more able, you know, with the internet now to, to see a lot of these old games and experience a lot of these old games that we kind of missed out on. Um, and so, you know, I, to get a lot of these, um, game, indie games that are inspired, um, by those classics, but also do something really new and interesting with it. Um, it just makes me really excited to, you know, mm-hmm. pay attention to some of the smaller under the radar games that we get. Yeah, and this looks like, I'm really glad that you brought this, because hopefully we get a little bit more attention on it, because it looks just like a really cool game. Yeah, it's super great. I was super, um, like, surprised by it when I played it, how much I loved it. And I think if anybody who likes adventure games, if you have played Chulip or Chibi Robo or any of those games, definitely give this a try, um, because it's funny and it's cute and it doesn't overstay its welcome either. It took me about like eight hours to finish it. So, um, and it's very replayable too. Uh, actually, that's one really interesting thing about it is when you start the game and you go to pick a save file, um, each save file like has a different little modifier attached to it. And when you finish the game with that save file, you can actually carry that modifier over into your next um, playthrough. And then it'll change things about the world or the characters. 
Um, neat. So, so a little bit extra replay value there, which is something that a lot of RPGs don't have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so short that, um, you know, it doesn't feel like a slog to go back and revisit it. Hmm. Well, like I was saying about childhood nostalgia and, you know, a lot of these games are reflections of the childhood nostalgia of their developers. Uh, I was thinking about WrestleQuest. Uh, we're moving on to the discussion question, by the way. Um, I was thinking about WrestleQuest and wrestling. And like I said earlier, a lot of my friends were very into wrestling and I was into it because they were into it. It was like a, it, it wasn't something that I would have gotten into by myself. And then once they lost interest, I instantly lost interest because it wasn't like a, it wasn't something that I was really into by myself, but I was thinking about that and I was trying to, I, I just thought an interesting discussion question would be, what is something that you were really into as a kid that you are not into at all as an adult, like something that you just lost all interest in. Uh, and it was like something you were super passionate about when you were like under the age of 10. And now it's just like, whatever, don't care. Okay. I've got one. Um, so I think for me, um, that would be, uh, anime. So I used to be, you know, super into watching anime, like every day after school when Toonami was on, I would rush home and, uh, watch it every day. And, um, you know, up until probably like when through undergrad, like I'd keep up with each new anime season and like watch all the new shows and, um, just over time, I've kind of just kind of, you know, fallen out of it. Like there's a bunch of like anime from that I grew up with and that I still really love and we'll go back and revisit. But I mean, I can't, I, I don't know the last time I watched like a new season of anime, it's gotta be, uh, like, like a new show. It's like probably five years or so mm-hmm. since I've actually kept up with what's current. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, and I don't know if it's really uh, things in the industry have changed and the kind of shows they're making now changed or my own, you know, interest in it has just wavered. But, um, yeah, I think that that would be it for me. For me, it is, uh, hockey cards. Um, when I was a kid, I had, I still do technically have a massive hockey card collection and I was super into it. Like my father is, very sports. I was a baseball player and a, a, for years and, and a hockey player, an incredible hockey player. Um, and he very, you know, he loved hockey cards. And because he loved hockey cards, he would buy me hockey cards as a small child. Uh, and I would get them, I would collect them, I would put them in the thing, I would trade them with friends, really into hockey cards. Um, and some other cards as well on the periphery, because, you know, that, you know, there would be other sets out there you'd see like a set of baseball cards beside the hockey cards you'd be like yeah i'll give that a try um and then i just lost all interest in it and i have absolutely no interest in hockey cards incidentally i didn't have any interest in hockey uh it was the cards (laughs) it was the collectible aspect of it that interested me so i think once i got a little bit older and i started developing my own taste uh that collecting instinct which i still have was uh diverted into areas that were more me for example comic books i have a i don't have them here they're in nova scotia i don't know where i'd put them here but i i have a very very extensive comic book collection like a, a, i have a complete run of of uh the second volume of what if and uh, lots of other series as well um and i loved collecting them it wasn't just a matter of reading them it was a matter of collecting them so yeah i feel like Hockey cards were a transitional thing for me where I, I liked the idea of collecting, but I didn't really have any interest in the topic. And then once I got out of that, I got out of that. And I don't give a crap about hockey cards today. 
Um, I looked at them all recently. I, I went online and took a look and they are worth nothing. Absolutely <laughs> nothing. Hockey cards from the 19, late 1980s and the early 90s. There was such a glut in the market that was everybody has them. So they're not, they're worth pennies, uh, which I find really, really funny. Um, because there's all those stories about my mother threw out my hockey card collection. Now it would be worth $20,000. And mine is like worth, I don't know, a hundred bucks max. And I have so many cards anyway. So that's mine. Uh, Neil, have you thought about one for yourself? I think so. I mean, I can actually relate to both of yours because like Ben, I certainly do not watch anime to the extent I did like say when I was in college and I can relate to yours, Jono, in that I used to be big into collecting like basketball cards. And (laughs) now I'm just like, "Mm, Nope, not anymore. Speaking of, um, during like my older childhood, like my middle school years and all, um, because my best friend was super into bat at the time was super into basketball and a, and a big Knicks fan, you know, I kind of became a New York Knicks fan as well and followed them like crazy. Um, he and I even, um, you know, went to a Knicks game at Madison square garden and everything, but nowadays, but then, yeah. And I threw out, and then after high school, I was just like, I stopped being into NBA basketball and even like, you know, the major professional sports like NFL football or MLB Mm. baseball or anything like that. Like I casually like check the highlights because, um, I live in a town, I live in an area of the country that's obsessed with the Philadelphia, with Philadelphia Eagles. So just so I know what's going on, but it's good for small talk. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, the, only times I'm glued to the TV for sports is the men's and women's world cup. Um, uh, I really want to thank you both for coming on the show today and talking about these games. I feel like both of them WrestleQuest is on a few people's radars. I don't think 24 killers is on many people's radars. So I, I like the idea of putting a little bit more out there. So people who are listening to this, maybe you thought, Hey, this sounds pretty cool. Check these games out. I think that, uh, I think that, uh, also check out the reviews on the site because they're, uh, well, actually, I can't speak to Neil's review, but all of Neil's reviews are very well written, so I suspect this one will be as well. Um, uh, and if not, Neil, it's uh, oh, it's we're gonna I'm gonna hit you with a, I'm gonna have to hit you with a metal chair, <laughs> hit you with a, a, a metal folding chair. That's gonna be your punishment for for dropping the ball on the WrestleQuest review. <laughs> Nah, the bitter gourd is not gonna let that happen. No, based on the intro, I don't think he will. Um, anyway uh again thank you so uh anyone out there if you're looking to support us here at rpg fan uh we've opened up a store and you can find it at www.rpgfan.com slash shop we sell lots of things in there if you want to show off uh your rpg fan colors uh it's a fantastic place to do so we have t-shirts we have uh like i keep mentioning in every episode baby onesies just because they're so darn funny um and you know magnets stuff like that and mugs so check that out um you can also check out our past episodes of random encounter if you are looking for something to listen to i know we talked about moon a few years ago probably in 2020 so if you feel like revisiting that dark time uh please check out those episodes and by revisiting those that dark time i mean the time when greg hosted the podcast no i'm kidding greg 
Um, actually, it's going to be cool. Greg might be coming to Toronto in a couple of days or a couple of weeks. So I'm actually really excited because I've never actually met Greg in person. Uh, and we've spent so much time hanging out and talking together on Random Encounter and hosting it together that I'm really, really excited to, to uh, uh, get a chance to meet him in person. Um, anyway, so yeah, if you want to support us, listen to some past of Random Encounter. Uh, we also have two other podcasts at the show. We have Retro Encounter. And last week we had our latest Final Fantasy draft episode. I think it was 2.0. Uh, it is a long episode. And it is a deservingly long episode. As I understand it, originally it was like three hours plus, and then Zach edited it down to a much more reasonable amount. So uh, if you enjoy the Final Fantasy series, it's going to be well worth a listen. It's a great episode. Um, we also have Rhythm Encounter, which is RPG Fans' music podcast. Our last episode was an interview that Patrick and Hillary did with Kara Comparetto. And uh, Kara has a YouTube channel where she releases uh, basically piano and other instrumental covers of uh, video game music, RPGs primarily. Uh, and she just released a Chrono Trigger album that is arranged for piano, pipe organ, and harpsichord. And she does cosplay. She has the videos. They're all on YouTube. She has the album out now. And the videos, she's cosplaying uh, as as Chrono, Chrono Trigger characters in them. And uh, they're absolutely incredible videos. She just released the one for World Revolution, and it's so damn good. So uh, check those out on YouTube, and absolutely check out the episode. Uh, if you'd like to get in contact with us here at Random Encounter, you can fire us off a message at podcast at rpgfan.com. I'd love to hear from you. If you have any ideas for future episode topics or discussion questions, please fire me off a message. Uh, if you'd like to send me an email personally, you can do so at jlogan at rpgfan.com. You can find me at mastodon at johnologan at mastodon.social. Or you can find me at John O'Logan on threads. I'm not super involved in threads yet, but it uh, seems to be the uh, air presumptive right now for Twitter. So I figured that I better lock down that uh, username. Uh, and I am not the only person on this episode who has a social media presence. Neil, where can we find you online? Um, you or can... Bitter Gourd, where can we find you online? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about the Bitter Gourd, but you can email me at Neil C-H at RPGfan.com. That's N-E-A-L-C-H. Or you can find me, uh, Neil C-H, RPG Fan on Discord. You can find the Bitter Gourd in the ring. That's where you can find the Bitter Gourd. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Ben, where can we find you online? Yeah, um, so you can email me at uh, BenLoganLove at gmail.com. Oh, you're also related to Brink. yeah hey the entire logan family runs uh wrestling promotion in the game so uh that's that's really funny um if you enjoyed this podcast please share it with your friends you'd help us get the word out there and you can rate us on itunes or your other podcast player of choice again neil ben thank you so much for joining me this evening i really really appreciate it and i really appreciate your time playing through these games yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for having us. Always a pleasure. And to everyone out there listening, remember, whatever you're playing, have fun. <laughs>